Morning, everybody. It's just, um, it really is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to be here. And every part of what we've done this morning, you know, the worship team as they've led us in song, just the songs we're singing and, um, um, you know, what was, has been spoken so far has just been so encouraging. Um, and uh, hope you've been lifted up. Um, before I start this morning, um, I just want to just acknowledge all the, all the mums uh, for the wonderful job that you do as mums. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, especially to those mums who are doing it on their own, who are doing it tough. And um, yeah, just uh, pray that the Lord would strengthen you. And I just give thanks um, for the mums. It's great that I've got my own mum, mum here this morning. Um, my mum, uh, yeah, she had 11 children. Uh, one of them was whang out and uh, 10 of us grew up in, a, in, in Foley Street in Kaitaia there, in a small three-bedroom house. Um, but um, we're grateful. We're grateful for our mum and for my dad. My dad's here also. Um, just to, uh, you know, it's wonderful um, of what they have done for us. Praise the Lord. Um, I just want to, um, just quickly before, just to those men, if, if we can... Those men that can, uh, if we can meet here at the, the side of the church after the service, that would be good as well. Um, you know, as I've been preparing this, this week, um, I've found it, uh, how can I say? Uh, actually, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. The Lord has, you know, just reminded me again. I'm so grateful um, for... Uh, for what he's done. I'm just going to pray before I start, okay? And I, I just want to ask you this morning, if you could just, for some of you, just to turn your natural ears on and your eyes, open your eyes just to see and to listen um, to what I have to say this morning. So, Father, I pray this morning, as I share your word, I pray, Father God, that not only the natural eye and the natural ear would be opened, but, Lord, by our an act of your grace and your mercy, O oh God, you would bring everyone in here, Lord, to open and give them spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. Lord, that you may have your way in each and every one in here this morning. Praise the Lord. Okay, the scripture I'm going to preach on this morning. Sorry, bear with me. Um, it's interesting, it's been a real, uh, with the technology, even this morning, I thought, oh gee, not going to have nothing in here, but anyway, as, uh, we're just waiting for that to come. My scripture this morning is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know, there's some, um, uh, but before I do that, I want to actually sort of go back a bit. All right, I want to go back to where it all began. And, um, you know, where it all began was, was actually good, as God intended to it. But it quickly fell apart. In Romans chapter 5, verse 15, it says, The sin of one man, this is Adam, okay, brought death to many, but the gift of grace came through Jesus Christ to many. You know, the, we know the, um, uh, God made this, this beautiful creation where Adam and Eve were given the freedom to rule. And reign. 
on earth. They had complete free will to choose, no sin nature. They sinned by disobeying God's command and the result was both spiritual and physical death and an ongoing problem for mankind. It's interesting to note that sin did not take even from the very firstborn. It didn't even take a few generations for sin to manifest itself. Once they disobeyed, it came in straight away. It came in the very seed of Adam and his son Cain. Straight away, that's how bad. And eventually, eventually, the Bible tells of uh, up until the time of Noah, it got so bad. It got so bad, the depravity of man was so bad that God ended up destroying all human life bar eight people in response to that sin. What is sin? Disobeying God's rules, failing to reach and missing God's holy standard. Sin includes lying, hating others, pride, Greed, stealing, murder, sexual immorality, including lust, pornography, fornication. Um, Just be with me. So, you know, basically fornication is any sexual relations outside the bounds of marriage. That's how God intended it. That we would be committed to one another. That's what God intended but we live in a world, sadly, where that doesn't happen for many. And um, I just want to move on. Adultery, that's again, it's sexual relations outside the bounds of marriage. <clears throat> Homosexuality, lesbianism, you know, I'm starting, I know it's probably going, whoa, we're starting to get into stuff. That's really right out there at the moment in our world. These sort of topics like homosexuality, I can remember growing up, that's just kept to the side when I grew up. Now it's right out there. It's in your face. And if you disagree with what's getting said in the world, look out. Look out. People will come down on you like like a ton of bricks. But you know, our standard is not the standard of this world. Our standard is the standard of God. And it's a righteous, it's a holy and a righteous standard. You know, God hates sin. He never intended it to be like that. So there's uh, swearing and cursing and crude joking, drunkenness and drug abuse and laziness, to name just a few. The Apostle John writes in the letters, 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. Okay. The bottom line is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh, it's every one of us in this room. All of us have sinned. Every person that's ever existed, they have sinned. It says also, for the wages of sin is death. In Romans 6, uh, 23. The bottom line is this, that if any person, for one who is not in... There's only two types of people, okay, spiritually speaking, as the Bible says. You are either in Christ or you're not, or you're in Adam. And there are consequences for both of those. One is a beautiful and wonderful consequence, and the other is a horrible, terrible one. And I'm going to hopefully paint that picture this morning so that you would see the depth of it. 
And then that you would be able to see what the beautiful solution is in Christ Jesus. Okay, the old has passed away. What state is that? I want to go through some things. And uh, the first one says, uh, King David writes this in Psalm 55. He said, "Um, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Sorry, mothers. It's the only reference I could come come up with in, <laughs> in regards to. But but look, this is just what I've got to um, what I'm talking about this morning. It's not as you as a, as a mum. But David, even he says, you know, I was conceived in sin. I was born in sin. And just to you know, I'm talking to everyone in this room. I'm talking to young people this morning. You know, you might have closed off your years already. You might be on your phone already, on Facebook or whatever. But I just want you to have, just give me even 10 minutes of your time and to listen. Um, you know, you can see it. And you can see it in a, in a baby child, even in a little toddler. Put two little toddlers together and then watch. Watch what happens if you give them a toy. Watch what begins to manifest itself in most times. I want it. No, I want it. No, I want it. You know, that's it because it's within us. This is what the Bible talks about. That's what's in us. That's what happened because of sin. This is what Adam, one man, gave to us, gave to mankind. This was his gift to us, and it's not a very good gift. Okay. If any man be in Christ, he is, and he or she is a new creation. Sorry, just bear with me here. Okay, what else is, what else? We're born and conceived in sin. The wrath, the Bible says, the wrath of God is upon us. Okay, and I want to read from Romans 2, 5 to 8. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up a terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they will have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, looking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and live lives of wickedness. That's, that's, you can only feel We can only feel condemned by, if we're not in Christ, you can only feel condemned by that. And I'm going to paint a picture very shortly. But wait, there's more. And I'm going to ask Irirangi to come up here this morning. He's going to be uh, one of the props. I'm going to use some props this morning. I want you to bear with me. And I want to show you, basically, what the old man looks like. Take these out. No, we're not going to Hawaii. Just ask to sit there, please. Probably can start getting the picture by what I'm pulling out of here.
So, in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, sorry, verse 1, the Bible says that um, you are spiritually dead. Yeah? Spiritually dead. So, I just want to ask you, close your eyes. All right, that's going to be, Edidangi's actually dead. All right, he's dead, not dead physically. He's spiritually dead. Okay. It says, now I'm going to ask Paul. Paul's going to actually be the devil for me this morning. And um, he's um, and the sin nature. I said to Paul the other day, I said, you know, um, the devil and pastors have this thing in common. They always get a lot of blame for everything. <laughs> yeah. But he's a good man, this man. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you to come and put the blindfold on Eddie. So it says that the prince of this world has blinded, has blinded the natural man. The next thing it says, John 8, 34, Jesus said this. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I just want you to put your hands. I hope your hands. Don't say you've got bigger hands. No, no. It's too tight. Just hold it. Hold it in your hand. Hold that in your hand. Yep. Hold that there. Okay. And I'm going to give that to you, Paul. Okay. So lift that up. Just put it up so they can see it. Just imagine he's chained. He's chained. And he's chained to his sinful nature. He's a slave to sin, the Bible says. Yeah? He's actually under condemnation. Not in here. What I had was, I'm going to put this instead. I had this black balaclava. And this black balaclava represented being condemned. No, I won't do that. (laughs) But if you can imagine that he would have this covering, this black balaclava over his head, which signifies... He's under condemnation. He's under condemnation, all right? The death sentence has been pronounced upon him, okay? All right. And then there's more to that. The Apostle John, when he writes in his book, he talks about us as the old man practices sin. He actually practices sin. That's what his life is characterized by. And I'll tell you what, we have spent a lot of time practicing in fact, if sin was a sport, we would be the Roger Federer's of that sport, of sin. We would be. Every one of us would be champions at it. Okay, according to the Bible. Remember, I'm talking here in the old man. I'm talking about the old man. And there is some in here this, today that probably your this is your condition. Because there are many that sit in here that was their condition. That was their condition. Okay, all right. And to put on top of all that, and there's lots more what the scripture has to say about the depth of our sin in our lives. There's a lot more. But it even goes on to say that in spite of us. So here he is, okay, he's blinded, all right. He's spiritually dead. Sin is his master, the enemy, Satan, okay, hates him with a passion, but leads him astray, is there to tempt him. All of these things, this is the natural man the Bible talks about. This is his state, right? 
And then on top of that, God turns around and he says, guess what? The natural man cannot even understand the spiritual things. He cannot. He cannot understand the spiritual things. Okay. And then, what has to happen? What's going to be the stake? What's going to be the solution for this man? What's going to be the solution? The only solution is Jesus. This is what I want to play. Can we play our song? Listen to this. Here comes the solution. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Amen. At the trumpet call. It's him. and his mercy he sends a man not just any man not just any man he sent his son because there was no one good enough no one good enough because if it was just uh, if there was someone else good enough he could have sent even an angel maybe Gabriel could have came and died on your behalf maybe he could have sent back Moses or Noah or King no not King David but but just you know to send back ones like this John the Baptist could have come and died If it was just that, if it was only that, paying the price. But it was more than that. Such was the depth and the depravity of our sin. Such was how deep it was. There was only one person who could do that. And his name was Jesus. And I'll show you, I want to show you what happened. Okay, so he came. All right, and he died on that cross and he made a way out for us. He made a way out for us. And some of you will sit and within you, you'll go shout, hallelujah. He made a way out for me. I'm talking to you. If you do not know him this morning, he's made a way for you. You just need to take that up yourself. You need to believe on that. What do you need to believe on? Okay, you need to believe that Jesus, Jesus, that you are a sinner. You are a sinner and that the, your sin, your sin was on Jesus. You need to believe in what he's done. You need to put your trust. There needs to be a deep conviction within you that this is true. We're not talking about a fairy tale. We're not taking, it's not some, you know, some um, story, a kid's story or something. This is the truth of what the Bible says. And this is what Jesus has done. And you say, well, how how is he going to be saved then? Jesus has done all these things. How is he going to know? Thank you for asking. Who's got a Bible in their hands? Can I have that Bible? This is the way Jesus intended it. This is the way, church, not by any methods, not by any manipulation. 
Jesus intended it by his word. The Bible says, Corinthians, the gospel is the power to save. And so what begins to happen? There's our natural man. He's sitting there, right? He's in chains. He's unable to see anything. Then the gospel gets preached. The gospel comes. He begins to hear. And he begins, something begins to take in his place. The grace and mercy of God has been poured into him. Okay. He suddenly he's been given spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. And the word of God comes and he goes, oh my God, what's this I'm hearing? What's this news I'm hearing? And there's another man, another star, natural man who's right beside him. And he's hearing the same word. And he's going, what a load of crap. What a load of crap. All right, he's like the thief on the cross. Okay, they come into the presence of Jesus and they're sitting and Jesus is there. All right. And one man goes, well, if you're Jesus, why don't you save yourself then? And there's this other man. That's it. But anyway, so this natural, this word is coming. All right, it's coming. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God begins to open him up. Begins to open up his, his heart. The blindfold comes off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The blindfold comes off. The eyes open. Eddie, don't get your eyes open. You begin to see. All right. Okay. And this is, there's this amazing exchange. Next one. The chains are broken. The chains are broken, church. Hallelujah. All right. And then there's this wonderful exchange that takes place. And God says... He says, he goes, I'm going to take your unrighteousness and your filth. I'm going to take it off you. I'm going to take it off you. And here's Jesus over here. And Jesus is going to take this off Jesus. And he goes, I'm going to put it on my son. And he's going to pay the price for you, even though you deserved every bit of it. You deserved it. And he does this wonderful exchange. And he puts it on him. And this is his. It's a garment of righteousness, church. That's who he sees you at. Let's just stand up. Now let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. This is a once and for all thing. This is a once and for all. Because you know why? Because God is the one who initiated it. God is the one who started it. Okay? He's the one. All right. It's an eternal thing. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes. All right. And takes up, takes a place within. He's sealed within at the point of belief. When faith comes, when all of that comes, the Bible says that he comes in and takes up residence with others. Sealed, sealed until the day of redemption. And he says, and you know what it says as well? It says that the Holy Spirit is actually a guarantee of eternal life. I'm not, I'll tell you that. I used to think this. I used to think, well, yeah, Jesus, you did all that. Thank you, Jesus, for doing all that. But I just better make sure I maintain. I maintain because, man, if I don't maintain, I think God might turn around, take that back, take this back, put it back on him, put this back on me, that he would get the blindfold, put the blindfold on me again. Chains back on me and say, you're back to where you started. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. He's free indeed. 
He's not free. He's not free. And you truly are free. That's it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You truly are free, church. If you're a believer, you truly are free. Okay, because the old man, remember, the old man, he couldn't. He couldn't. How He was never free. He couldn't. No man can be holy and righteous like God. Are they coming to church every morning? Is Kai Tai, is every person in Kai Tai jamming to be in our doors and coming in here and saying, I want to be holy, I want to be holy. No, they're not. You know they're not. Because many are that, that man. They need the good news of the gospel. One, and that gospel. Here, see, I don't need to, I don't need to use any gimmicks when I talk to people about God. Because I know it's not me that saved him, but it's the power of the gospel to save. God has called us to be the witnesses. That's why. If you carry the spirit of God in you, okay, you're the witness. You're the witness. You're the one that's going to go and you're going to take, because you believe the message, excuse me. You believe the message and you're going to have a passion about it. You're going to see what he's done. I'm talking about the new man. Of what I was meant to do, but anyway, you know, the new man, the new man in Christ, what's he going to do? He realizes, okay, I've seen what you've done for me. I've seen what you've done. You gave your son for me. Why? Why? For his glory. And the next thing, he is going to be glorified in you. That's how he intended it. Because why? Because you're going to learn. You're going to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you. You're going to learn. You know, you know what the old man was like and you say, no, nah, I left that life. The Bible tells me that that man is dead. Paul writes in Romans, he says, reckon yourself or consider yourself to be dead to sin. Now, some of you are going, oh, yeah, I wish that was true. But it is, you see. It is, it is true. In this sense, the righteousness of God is upon you. Yeah, this is you. This is your standing. As I said, this is my standing in God. This is my position. This is not going to change. What needs to happen as the new man, the new man's practices begin to change. Yeah, so in the old man, he was typified as practicing unrighteousness. That's what he did, and he did a good job. Bang, bang. Bang, 24-7, bang, bang, bang. He, was a, he did a good job. But the new man, don't forget, in this position, the penalty, the penalty for the wages of sin is gone. God's not going to say to you, no, nah, you're not good enough because you're not, it's not based on you. It's based on him. It's based on what he's done. It's his righteousness. He sees the righteousness of his son on each of you, on those that believe. That's why, if anyone is in Christ, what God sees, that's your position. This is what you need to believe. And when you believe that, I tell you what, when I, you know, a long time ago, I grew up and my mum, a believer since I can remember, all right, went to church. I went to chief. I'm speaking to you young people. Went to church, okay, but come to my teenage years, my young adult years, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to do what my mates are. I had most of my mates, we all went to church. 
But you wouldn't have thought it once we got into our teenage lives and our adult lives. Okay? Did I believe? I believe God. But was it a real belief? I, I, I saw, I, you know, real belief is not just a knowledge of who God is. It's a conviction. It's a conviction within that it's the truth. And it's a trust. It's a trust that what God has done. Okay? And that... That was things over, over recent years as I've, I've, as I've gone into the scriptures and it sort of opened my eyes even more and I go, oh my gosh, even preparing, even though I, even though I know most, most of these scriptures, you know what? There were times this week I just was weeping. I go, oh my God, you are just so amazing. And this is what, honestly, it what motivates me to keep going. I come and I fellowship with his people because he calls me to, but I come because of what he's done for me. Nothing I could ever do would even pale in comparison to what he did. You know, and God wants a church. He wants a church that sees him for who he is, that recognizes their calling, and that, that their calling is for the glory of God. You know, the Bible says that this testimony of the church is going to be in, it's going to be in the ages to come for eternity. They're going to speak of it constantly. The angels will speak about what God done on this earth. And it's going to be for those who are his. Who are his. That's what. Don't treat lightly. Don't treat lightly what he's done. Believing and trusting God is more than just coming up and saying a prayer. It's not your get out of jail card. It's not. You come. Because God is doing a work in your heart, opening it up. He's showing you what I hope you can see what it's like. It truly is. And that's not even enough to really show the depth of our sin. But you know what? We no longer need to stand. Be condemned. We no longer need to be condemned. If that's you this morning, I want to say to you, Jesus is the answer for you. If you want to be set free, then you just need to believe and put your trust in Jesus Christ, that what he did on that cross, he paid the price. The penalty of sin, and if you do that, the penalty of sin, as I said before, it's gone. It's gone. And the power of sin, the power of sin, it's been broken. It's been broken, church. If you're a believer, if you're in Christ, it's been broken. Yes, do I sin? Do I sin? Yes, I do. Ask some of the whanau. Ask my wife. Okay, yes, I do. But the old man is characterized constantly by doing that. Yes, I do sin. I do sin. But there's a new man. There's a new man part of me that walks in the calling that God has called me to be. And I'm conscious and I'm aware of my sin. And I, sometimes I sin even knowing it's a sin. But my pride wants to get in the way. I'm not wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about setting your mind on the things above and not on the things below. And as we as believers continue to trust, as we set our minds on the things above, okay, God will lead us and guide us. And you will see the fruit the old man, his fruit was all of those sins and more. That's the old man. That's his fruit. But the new man, the Bible says, as we walk in the Spirit, as we're obedient to the Spirit, 
Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faith. All of those things. Wow. That's the fruit of the Spirit. God has prepared, has even prepared the good works that you should do. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, I'm speaking, remember I said I was speaking to everyone in this room. I'm speaking to those who feel that they're still in captivity. They're still in captivity. And I say to this, surely anybody who recognises they're a prisoner, surely if you went to that prison and says, do you want to be set free? Surely most prisoners wouldn't go, nah, more goods. I think I'll stay here. It's choice. And the natural one would say, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I'm telling you, if you are still in Adam, as as the Bible says, you have an opportunity today to be in Christ. And no one is going to force you and make you do that. In fact, I want that you would consider it. You would make up your mind. But make up your mind understanding the full picture. That he's not just saviour. And the why I had to paint this picture is because many people who come to God, they actually don't realise what they've been saved from. They love the fact that, oh, well, he is a saviour. Oh, gee, I'm going to go to heaven. But they don't realise the depravity and the depth of their sin. And they treat it lightly. So sometimes it just becomes easy come, easy go in a sense. And people come into the church. They hear the message. They hear it. Okay, they hear it. Oh, yeah, it's good. Some of them take it on for a little while. And the next minute, back into the old way of living. You know? But the new man, the new man. And what I'm saying is this. Can the new man slide back in a sense? Can the old? Yes, he can. Yes, he can and yes, he does. Yes, he does at times. But I tell you what. God says that we become his children. And God also says he will discipline those who he loves. And David, King David is a wonderful example of that. Here's King David. God describes him as he's a man. God chose him to be king. And God says, this is a man after my own heart. This is King David. And yet this same King David, later on down the track, okay, sees a beautiful woman. Oh, gee, I want her. I want her. Even though she's married, I want her. And he takes her. Okay. And she ends up becoming pregnant. And so David goes, oh, gee, I've got a problem here. I know what I'll do. I'll bring her husband back and I'll get him to sleep with her so then she can say the baby's going to be hers. Doesn't work. Because God's at work. And the husband comes back and obviously he's most likely would have spoken to the to um, uh, Bathsheba and said, you know, make sure you get your husband into bed. All right. But you know what? God had other plans. This man goes, nah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that while they're fighting out there in the war. I'm not going to do that. Which is what David should have been. He should have been out there with them and he wouldn't have fallen into temptation. But he, anyway, so it doesn't work. So David comes up with another plan. Remember, this is a man with a heart after God. 
And he goes and he turns around and he says, okay then, calls his commander. He says, right, get the husband, put him up the front of the battle because I want him to get killed. And sure enough, sure enough, the husband is killed. Beautiful situation all taken care of. What does God do? See, God loves those. He loves his own. But man, look out when the discipline of God comes. So David's there, he's sitting all there, sitting there thinking, gee, yeah, got away with that one. What happens? The prophet comes. God sends the prophet. Tells him the story. You know, about this man and this king and this king taking this man's lamb and, you know, all of that. And, and, uh, and then he says to David, David, what do you reckon should happen to that king? And the, David goes, kill him, kill him. The prophet turns around and says, you're that man. Boom. The conviction comes. Conviction comes. David on his knees. He repents on his sin. He doesn't turn around and he say to God, he says, God, save me again. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew, renew a right spirit within me. That's what he does. God will discipline us. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit, we've got a free will. We've really got a free will to choose. You know, as believers, as ones that have the spirit of God, who are you going to? The enemy's still there. He's still, he hates you even more. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to stop you from fulfilling God's plans. But church, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the truth this morning, church. Okay. So, we're just going to finish. And I'm going to say, if there's anyone here this morning that sees themselves as that natural man. I'm going to ask you to come. If you want to come, if you understand what's being said and God is doing a work in your mind, in your heart, in your being, then come this morning. And if there's others, even as believers, you know, you've, you've gotten past, you're past this. This is you. This is you. This is you. But maybe, you know, the practices have started to get Repeat it again. The practices. And when you realise, if you consider again, if you take into account again and consider again what he done, our Saviour on that cross, bled and died. Your sin was put on him. Okay. And his righteousness was put on him. That's our purpose, church. There's so many more things. That's just the beginning, what he's done. That's just the beginning. From there, there should be all these different responses that should begin to happen in our lives. If you're a born again believer this morning, it's enough time for mucking around. All right, just going, well, you know, yeah, yeah, oh God, I'll give you this time. Give you a bit of time. Give you a couple of hours on Sunday. But that's about it, God. Thanks anyway. No, it's more than that. That it would come from deep within. You realize who he is. That he truly is God Almighty. That as we've sang this morning, these, 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 these songs, they are the truth. We've been singing truth this morning. And it's that truth that will set you free this morning. That truth will set you free this morning.